0: everybody and welcome to the ocean riders podcast conversations with creatives entrepreneurs thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers my name's imi and i am your host i wanted to wish you all a happy new year this new year and new decade is going to be amazing and i really hope that all the goals that you set or that you are setting will actually come true during this year or definitely during this decade I hope you enjoy this podcast, and if you do, I would be thrilled if you could support it. My podcast takes time and money to produce, so to support the show, here's what you can do. The first thing to do is to spread the word. Tell your friends that you love this podcast and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. But if you'd like to take your support one step further, I have designed a collection of products that I'm sure you'll love. You can find them on theoceanridersshop.com. For less than a price of a cup of coffee, you can actually get beautiful surf art inspired greetings cards. And I've also created a capsule collection of Ocean Riders t-shirts and sweatshirts, one for men and a collection for women as well. They're all made of 100% organic and fair trade cotton. The whole merch collection is really comfy and so soft that I think you'll love wearing them. And my family and I certainly do. Last but not least, you can also purchase some beautiful wall art to hang up at home. And all these items are in capsule collections, so catch them while they last. Head over to theoceanridersshop.com. One last thing, 1% of my sales on the shop will be donated to Wires Australia. So by buying my merchandise, you'll be making a conscious contribution to help endemic Australian wildlife survive the heartbreaking bushfires. So that's enough of housekeeping today. Let's go on to our conversation today. Today, I got to sit down with Laura Day, a bubbly and energetic surfer who is also an interior designer, architect, and the founder of Aiera Surf, a women's surfwear brand based in San Diego, California. Laura has had an exciting life so far. She's been traveling and living between California and Australia. But today, our conversation explores her business ventures and the way in which she has apprehended the female surfing market with such talent and joy. Ayera Surf is a women's surfwear brand that she created from scratch, actually making, designing, and sewing the garments herself. The garments that range from rashies to bikinis are designed for women who don't necessarily feel they belong to the billabong or Roxy stereotypes. And Laura has met far more women actually on the lineup that are doctors, lawyers, and entrepreneurs, and whose taste doesn't necessarily reflect what we see in shops. I think there are quite a lot of women out there in this category, and Laura is definitely tapping into it. We get to talk about Laura's story, her brand, and she gives us expert tips and advice on how to build a brand that sells. Beyond marketing and an amazing design, Laura is also excelling in what works the best for the bottom line, and that is closing a sale. There's a lot to learn from her experience in this interview, and last but not least, Laura is also just about to launch a surfing podcast called Confessions of a Surf Lady, and it will be dropping this week on all the podcast platforms. So without further ado, please welcome Laura Day. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a delight to have you on the show. And I guess for our listeners, do you think you could introduce yourself?
1: Definitely. So my name is Laura Day, and I'm the owner of a women's surfwear line called Iera Surf. And we're a surfwear line that's based out of San Diego, California.
0: Cool. This is so cool. Perfect place to go surfing. (laughs) Yep, definitely.
1: (laughs) So... Where initially were you from?
0: Have you always grown up along the ocean in San Diego? No, I
1: actually grew up in LA. And even though a lot of people might think that you grew up in California, you're a surfer your whole life. (laughs) That's not actually true. I grew up kind of inland. And as a kid, we traveled a lot. My family traveled a lot. And I think surfing and being at the beach was something I always wanted to do more of and something that I always loved the thought of doing but obviously surfing is not always an accessible sport for everybody especially if your family has never surfed or you know you don't know anybody that surfs so the thought of someone just driving you to the beach you know unless unless your parents just get it and know (laughs) you know or they know somebody that can teach you that's not really there as a kid even though I grew up in LA but yeah when I was in college in community college there if I ever had any break where I had a class that ended at by eleven and another class that started at four, I was driving to Manhattan Beach. I really? was gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> drive to Manhattan Beach, even by myself, whatever, spend the afternoon there and then drive back just before traffic to get to my classes. So even though I wasn't surfing, I was still dreaming about it. <laughs>
0: oh fantastic so you actually studied architecture and design how did that sort of happen what made you choose that kind of subject
1: yeah so when I was younger I loved drawing I loved art I love creative stuff I love design I love sewing and I loved I was obsessed with interior design I was obsessed with the show trading spaces <laughs> on TLC <laughs> And that was around, you know, when I was maybe a junior in high school, when you start considering like, what do I want to study? And I remember just thinking like, you know, I really love interior design, but I feel like maybe it's a little too specific. And my sister at the time said, why don't you study architecture? And you know, it was big sister's advice. So I took it. (laughs) That's so cool. That's so cool.
0: And so did those studies actually bring you to sort of spend a few years in Australia?
1: Uh well, no, I actually had then for school moved to San Diego in 2008. And it's funny. And I say that I kind of just took big sister's advice. But I go to the orientation and go to you know, all the beginner stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, my God, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like, I love this. And so I spent five years studying here in San Diego, where I am now. But at the time, I was also working at a CrossFit gym. And one of our clients was Australian. And she told me, Hey, when I go back to Australia and I start a gym, I would love for you to come work for me. And at the time I was like, Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I oh go yeah. to school. Yeah, I finish school, I graduate, and the day after Christmas, I get an email from her saying, Hey, I need somebody on the floor now. Can you let me know in three weeks if you can be here in a month? And I hadn't found a job yet after looking after graduating. I think my lease on my apartment was up. There were just so many things that came together that made it hard Hmm. for me to say no. I had to say yes. Yeah. (laughs) The planets aligned. It did. (laughs) Yeah. So I had the fortune of moving over there. And funny enough, she picks me up at the airport and greets me and then tells me that she's moving to Abu Dhabi in like a week. (laughs) Well, no. so, <laughs> I there, you know, so she's got her, her different businesses going on. But yes, I move over there and it's a completely new environment, a completely new experience. And it's something that I look back on really fondly. Hmm. Which part of Australia were you in? I lived in Brisbane. So oh, I had wow. the fortune of surfing at Noosa, the Sunshine Coast and uh, Corumban and Byron Bay. I mean, taking road trips up and down the coast, it was always so easy to find friends that would want to get in the car and drive down the coast to different breaks. So, oh my God, it's such beautiful breaks over there.
0: <laughs> I think it's the best in the world, actually. I haven't seen anything more beautiful than Byron Bay and and Noosa to go surfing. It's like perfect, perfect waves, perfect water, yeah. perfect temperatures. Everything is just amazing there. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So I was gonna say, if you get lucky, you get to see. You can find a koala. yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, <new> <laughs> the trails, like we'd always take hikes and looking you know, and keep your head up in the trees to see if you can spot a koala. So that was always really exciting. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. And so, what actually sort of motivated you to go back to the USA?
1: Well, honestly, it wasn't exactly my choice, but it was my time <laughs> to come home. <laughs> you know that you've got a visa when you enter for six months, you can work for one business and then you have to change jobs and work another six months for a different business. And I think what I did is I worked for my friend for six months. I came home for a couple months, decided, you know, what is it that I want to do? Went back to Australia with no plan and just kind of went, you know, door to door with my resume trying to get a job And eventually got something and it was in a marketing company. It it was a job I actually really enjoyed. So I think I stayed another eight or nine months there and we tried to apply for a new visa. But the timing just didn't really, I don't know, work out. And at the end of the day, I think I really did want, I really thought I wanted to stay. But, you know, just like the opportunity to go over there, it was time to come home. (laughs) Yeah, And it did feel right to be home again.
0: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So what was it in surfing that actually attracted you to build a side hustle around it?
1: So when I started surfing, I think I was 27, 28, so somewhere around there. You know, I wasn't surfing as a kid. I was picking it up as an adult who could now, you know, afford the board, you know, drive around in my car and do all of that. And I think a lot of women now these days, pick it up, you know, later in life. So when I started surfing, honestly, I would get in the water and the women that I would see in the water were not what I guess the Roxy ads and the Billabong ads advertised <laughs> ads. None of them were this, you know, life is a beach, everything is amazing, beach bum kind of girl. They were all women. Women that were doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs and mothers and just accomplished people that the surf industry was not a reflection of. Yeah. And one summer, I think I just had some, and it, this was actually even way back before I moved to Australia. And there's this kind of gap in the story for my business was born. But one summer, I decided I just wanted to make clothes like, you know, i had been sewing since I was younger. And I thought, I just, I just want to make stuff. This is just (laughs) what I want to spend my summer doing. And I was surfing a lot. So I said, Okay, like, let me make something for me to wear surfing. And it ended up being a rash guard. And I had a rash guard that was had a darted bust and a curved hip. And unlike a lot of the rash guards on the market that are just mass produced, straight cut, almost even designed for teenage girl, that always rolled and wrote mm. up and fit well I fit nicely because you know I'll, also I made it for myself but you know that was back when I was in school and then when I came back from Australia sometime in there I was doing the same thing again I had a little bit of time and I was like I, I want to I feel like making stuff so I start making more rash cards, different patterns start showing them to my friends and it's something that everybody really loved and then I started selling them and that's that's kind of came together and this story, you know, in my mind of knowing these women that were real women that had like real bodies, and that the industry was not reflecting that I saw that as my opportunity to say like, Hey, I know these women, like, let me make you the clothes that will fit you. And let me where we market our images are not this one industry standard image.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I love the way your, your rash guards, like they do sort of fall down because that is the problem with rash guards today is that they sort of roll up and then you've got your belly in the air and then you've got a sort yep. of massive sunburn on your back. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really annoying thing. And I love that your reversible bikini bottoms as well. Oh yeah. I guess they've been designed, <laughs> they've been designed not to fall off when you go under a wave. How did you actually achieve that? So
1: the bikini bottoms, these products is funny because they kind of came out of like I had extra material and I was like, what what do I want to do with all this stuff? And so I just started experimenting. But you know, with the high waist cut, if it's actually coming up to the top of your waist, there's not as much of that room for water to just come in and pull it off your butt. Mm-hmm. So that and then also being made with such a stretchy material and they're reversible. When you size down in something like that, they fit really nicely. But without what is called seamless without the really hard elastic, it doesn't pinch into your skin so uncomfortably. And so that's been Mm. why that's been such a favorite. They don't pinch you in weird ways. They're really comfortable. They sit really flat, but they also stay up because they fit Mm. at the waist.
0: (laughs) And so how did you come up with your designs? I mean, did you have to sort of study lingerie and whatever to actually get the cuts properly?
1: So pattern making itself is definitely a different beast. I mean, my background in architecture and design has definitely helped with the process of sketching an idea, getting it into paper, and then putting, making, you know, what we would do in school is make a physical model. But the process of pattern making or making clothing that fits on the body, I actually found that a big struggle (laughs) with it because you're taking, you know, this flat piece of garment of fabric and you want to fit it onto a very curved a very natural shape so I did end up taking we actually here in San Diego Mesa College they have one of the best fashion programs and that's just a community college too yeah so I ended up taking a pattern making course there just to really wrap my head around how some of the principles that come with it but a lot of it is you make a sample try it on or have your friends try it on take a look you know, what's wrong with it? What's good with it? Maybe talk it over with some mentors that I think in my business has been such a huge benefit is just having older people that have been through business, you know, mm-hmm. been through different parts of this kind of business making clothing um, that I can talk to and say, hey, what what do you think about this cut? What do you think about the way this is sewn or how do I market this? But yeah, just the process the whole design process is that big, you know, starts with a sketch and then you go back and forth and you just make samples (laughs) while you're happy. That's brilliant. And how do you actually find your materials
0: and the designs for your materials? Do you get them printed before and then you sew them together or do you find that the prints already made?
1: Yeah. So for the first couple collections, we did use ready-made prints because it's more affordable like that, especially starting up a brand. Luckily, I grew up in LA, so I know my way around there. And there's a lot of resources as, as far as fabric. Um, and then also there's like trade shows that you can go to to meet different suppliers. So there's about two or three suppliers that I've been working with closely that I really like. And the new collection will have like more recycled plastic bottle materials. And what's been great about that is that's something that I looked at at the beginning of uh, starting my business, but it was just definitely way out of reach as far as price. Or right. sometimes it's just they require such a high minimum. And when you're still testing something and still starting something out, it doesn't really make sense to do that. But because it's in such high demand now, the smaller companies are bringing them into their stock which is amazing because now people like me can include that in our line which is something that I've always wanted to be able to include yeah that's wonderful
0: so how long did it actually take for you between the, the moment you sort of made your first rash guard till you actually sort of sold your first product how long did that actually take you
1: So the moment I made my first fresh card for myself was definitely when I was still in school, not yet thinking about selling it. But I would say maybe from the time that I decided that I would turn it into a business and what it actually, the thought was, hey, let me just put some of this on Etsy. Let me make three or four, put it on Etsy, which never took me anywhere. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, But the exercise of creating a platform where something could be sold I think in the end was the value in doing that and really pushing me to, okay, we got Shopify. But I would say from the time that I started considering that or saying that I want to do this the business to the time that I sold my first garment, maybe three to four months. Right. Yeah. But That's I did have quick. that garment already. Yeah. And actually, it was at a little small pop-up shop that we did of Surf Ladies. And the girl that bought my first garment, she's actually a good friend of mine now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really nice that she right away, we weren't friends at the time, but, you know, supported me right away. Yeah, that's really lovely. What did you actually feel when you sold your
0: first garment? I mean, what was that feeling inside?
1: You kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, I could actually sell. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I think you don't really know what to expect. And you just a little bit of that validation, like, I'm not the only one that wants this. I just didn't make this to feel productive for myself. You know, someone would pay for this. And at that <laughs> time, too, I didn't have a production. You know, I was handmaking everything. So every piece I had was different. And so there was this scarcity of like oh there's only one you know only so one. <laughs> I think that's all. Yeah, I think that's why she was so quick to buy it too cuz she was like oh I'm going to take that one and and there was none other left. But yeah, I have a picture. I took a picture with her. I was like you're my first sale. Can we take a picture? <laughs> so I have a picture of me holding the garment. But yeah, it's definitely a proud moment because Even now, I mean, even when I still make sales now, I still feel like, wow, okay, people still really want this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think as an entrepreneur, you just always go through that. And it's good. It's good to keep a balance, you know, like going through that idea, like, do people want this? Like, am I doing this right? And then coming back and feeding that validation back to you. But always asking, okay, am I still on the right track?
0: Yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, you were saying earlier that you were on Shopify your online boutique. Yeah. Actually, I had a Shopify store as well. I used to set the preferences to sort of make a kashling sound every time there was a sale oh. online. <laughs> And so I used to get a notification on my phone going chling and so I'd run around all the, all over the house and Oh my god, I was sort of thinking I was all sort the of, you know, a box of chocolate or a box of sugar or whatever and I was so excited every time that would happen and then after a while it would you get more and more of them, or you'd have to do promotions Mm. for Black Friday and Christmas sales and whatever. And then you sort of got to a point where I was sort of making lots of sales on the promotion days, but not that many sales on the unpromotion days. I don't know if that sort of has happened to you so far, or if you're feeling yourself forced to sort of go with the promotions and the Black Friday offers and things like that. What's your opinion on that, on how to price your items?
1: (sighs) Whew, that's definitely a tough one. I think that definitely is all about timing, right? Or not when I a sale, not exactly a discount, but making a sale is all about timing and that relationship with that customer. Are they at the right time and place to spend that money with you because they now need it? But I definitely think promotions are good because they give you that urgency of, hey, if you do it now, <laughs> I'll be able to give you a promotion. But so, Sorry, can you remind me of your original
0: question? <laughs> Yeah. So the question was like, do you find that you have to, to sort of abide to all these promotions and these kind of online sort of dictatorships sort of thing? Or do you actually get by without them?
1: So I have admittedly, social media is probably not my strongest strength. And not because I can't do the graphics, or I can't write the captions, or I can't do, you know, that, because it is kind of this black whole. <laughs> sometimes, I feel like it's kind. Of, it's kind of this beast that you do have to stay current. And you do have to keep up with all of that. So I've found instead of that, I actually more enjoy like the face-to-face having events. Yeah. Uh, that seems to do really well. Having a reason to get together, especially for women surfing, because we are a community. Because there's so many things that we can relate to each other beyond surfing. I think there's definitely personality traits that a female surfer has. And we kind of all share that. So yeah, I value more things that are maybe events or promotions that are around the brand, as opposed yeah. to really pushing hard for competing. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're competing with all the attention of everything, every other sale that's out there at the time. So yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so what so far, what has been the most challenging for
0: you in terms of running this business?
1: So in terms of running the business, I think the most challenging thing is to say no to the things that maybe you're good at doing. However, don't exactly bring you the return that you need to survive as a business. So, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I loved, mm-hmm. absolutely love, you know, doing creative stuff, making graphics, doing all of that, just like I said, with social media. And, you know, I get sit there all day moving text left and right. Or, and at some point, and I really have had to train myself in saying, like, you know what, it needs to be done. And as much as I want to perfect it, that's not what matters. What matters is that I'm making progress. I'm moving forward. So that is, I think, a challenge because you do want to put your best foot forward. But no one's going to see you put your best foot forward if you never make a step. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Really interesting what you were saying about the most challenging and having to focus on the things that maybe you don't like doing the most, but you just need to get push things along and yeah. actually get things done. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And what have you found the most enjoyable in the process?
1: So I've done a lot of pop up shops. I've done a lot of in person shops. Funny enough, maybe ne- never thought that I would say that this is the most enjoyable, <laughs> but the sales portion of it, I think. I would say is the most enjoyable because it's the most challenging for me. And it's so much based on creating a relationship with your customer. Mm. And I think it's very, I don't want to say dynamic, you know, so the sales in person with my customers, When I do pop up shops, I love because I get feedback right away on the product. I love to get feedback on that product and I love to meet the women that I am actually serving. I think that's really important. And so a lot of that gives you ideas on where you should go with the business, what people want, gives you that faith, is validating that, hey, you made this stuff and somebody wants it. And then wholesaling is something that I've been working on recently, which I would say, yeah, is. Maybe not as much. I think mentally, it's it's challenging to really get yourself in that headspace. But what it is, it's a long process of building a relationship and building trust with a store or a retailer for them to want to carry your stuff. But recently being, you know, I'm pre-booked for a couple major stores here in San Diego. So I'm really, really stoked. But like I always say, like, I don't, you know, I don't believe anything until the cash is in the bank. So we won't celebrate till that <laughs> happens. But, you know, the whole building that relationship and seeing results from that process has been rewarding. And I felt a lot of growth from that.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. It must be so encouraging, actually, to actually go from doing the pop-up shops and then actually getting a wholesale customer and things like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> really rewarding. And so would you have any sort of bootstrapping advice, like things that really help you out to start with when the funds were low?
1: Mm-hmm. I have realized that if you are in a space where you can share resources with somebody or do a trade with somebody that makes sense, it can be a great way to go that way. I think always questioning what you're spending and if you could be spending less or if you could be getting it for free is good practice. So one of the examples that I would have is a couple of years ago, we did a photo shoot in Sayulita. And you know, the girl that shot the photos, uh, she was amazing. And at the time, she was just building her portfolio. And that was okay for me, because, you know, my budget was small. We actually hired a couple models to shoot with us. And, you know, we got the pictures, and it was great. But I think that I realized like, hey, I could have just found other women who own businesses around surfing and created a trade in this environment where we're helping each other out because they might actually need the photos as opposed to a model that's kind of like I gotta be here yeah (laughs) what really got me thinking on this was when one of the models asked me to pay the PayPal transaction fee for paying her and you know and I was like wait I'm not paying you to be in business like I have to pay my own business fees too but I think it was so like minimal that I was like I know the principle is not right but I just don't even want to go over that but anyways. Finding somebody that might have that common goal that might have been like, hey, like I really need the pictures for my business. And oh, hey, well, I need really need to take pictures of someone. So I think I could have networked a little bit and found people that were more excited (laughs) to be there to bring more, you know, to just bring more to the table. So that's always something that is good to think about, but not to get lost in because sometimes collaborations don't. and, And I think you have to make a few. Not bad decisions, but make a few decisions that you regret to understand. Like, okay, well, what is a good collaboration? What questions do I ask? What do I say that I need out of this to make it worthwhile for myself? Because I've definitely had, you know, girls reach out to me like, Hey, I have this following. I have that and I'm going to take pictures of your product and put it on. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. And you send a product and you never (laughs) hear anything. But you know, that taught me what is it that I need from a collaboration that we're fulfilling for each other that makes sense so bootstrapping yeah I think seeing where you can collaborate I think is a good idea and just being very clear about what you need
0: yeah that's really good advice thank you very much for sharing that with us so what's the
1: goals for Aiera Surf next year yeah so next year my goals when I talk in numbers With the next year, my goal is to do get into 20 or have 20 wholesale accounts. So that's something I'm really working on. And I'm learning it's like the rule of numbers, right? So if my average is every 20 stores I approach, I get one, then I got to talk to 400 stores. (laughs) It's really nice to have that idea in mind, like, okay, this is why I'm reaching my goal or is why I'm not reaching my goal. And be unemotional about it. You know, it's not me. I'm I'm doing my best to learn along the way, but it's about it's the numbers. It's just sales. That and then we are starting a podcast. Yay. And yeah. And that's why I'm so glad to be here with you today. And the podcast is called Confessions of a Surf Lady. And Yeah, (laughs) it's really about extending the conversation beyond the products that we create for the women who surf Mm -hmm. into a platform where we can have a dialogue. So the way it works is we have questions that are specific to women surfing that we post Mm -hmm. for women to anonymously respond to. And the reason why it's anonymous is... I feel like women have responded saying that, oh, cool. Like I can say whatever I want. And that's the idea. Like, <laughs> I don't want you to feel like this is a Facebook thread where somebody's going to get offended because you said something and they just didn't connect with it. Yeah. We want to see a pool of opinions and stories that are the true reflection of the female surfer, as opposed to this life's a beach. Everything's great. Like, you know, no worries. Surf is here because <laughs> I mean, those are cute sayings, but they're not real life, you know. I've never met a woman that surfs that is just has not lived a life that is not just life's a beach, you know. Mm. (laughs) I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but yeah, a a real life that comes with real struggle and real things. So, (laughs) so what kind of
0: questions have you had the most responses from?
1: Yeah, so one of the reasons or the inspirations for this podcast was when I was doing market research for my business, and uh, I was actually applying to, you know, for the practice of really pitching your business, I was applying to different programs and stuff. And one of the questions that I asked for my market research in a very similar fashion, it wasn't exactly anonymous, but a similar fashion was, how do you feel about the way women are represented in the surf industry? Because you know, what I was standing on as, as a business was that women are not happy with the way that we're represented. Women mm. are not happy with the products that are offered. Um And so in this pitch presentation, I collected these responses to support that idea. And I got, you know, 50 to 60 responses at that time, and maybe a handful of women. Another option was, hey, if you're willing, can I interview you for, you know, 10 minutes and just ask you some questions. And so I got on the phone with about fifteen women at the time, and I had questions, but you know, conver- I let the conversation go wherever it was. And you know, I got a consensus of unhappiness. Really? The way, yeah, the way that I mean, things that stick in my head because it was up in an interview that I just did as well. The way women were treated when they would go into a surf shop—they just didn't feel comfortable because they felt like no one wanted to help them. Because I don't, I don't know, it, I don't understand. Because being in a business, you're like, well. You know, aside from just helping somebody, I'm also here to sell and have a business. So I don't really understand why you would have that discrimination. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You know, if any guy out there owns a surf shop and you're not doing well, maybe you should start marketing to women. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should start selling to your female customers. Because last (laughs) I check, we spend more money. But... Yeah, so that was a question I think I asked a year or two ago, Mm -hmm. and almost exactly a year ago. And when this podcast kind of was coming together, or this idea of this forum was coming together, I wanted to ask that question again. Mm. So I posted that question again, I got about 75 responses, and a lot of still similar responses, some responses that are, you know, thinking like, hey, or expressing that I think things are getting better, but we have a long way to go. But I felt really inspired by just seeing two sets of responses one year apart and i thought that there is just so much more of a conversation there so yeah that's one question that i'm sure every woman that surfs has a, has an opinion about and should have an opinion about some of the other questions what makes you feel excluded in surf culture mm, so interesting yeah that's one that i discuss with in launching on January 15, when we launched the podcast on episode four, I discussed that with Brianna Ortega. Oh, see together. Yes. Ah, Yeah. So she has some great things to add to. And then another one that we're working on right now is gathering submissions from women who have either almost drowned or felt really unsafe in the water. So we've gotten a handful of voice submissions of women telling their stories about that. Excellent. Yeah different things like that. And my hope is also that, you know, I've got a backlog of topics that I want to ask and discuss. But my hope is that people do on the website, come on and tell us what they want to talk about. Um, Because the conversation and something that we say in the podcast, the conversation would not be complete without you. So please join us. Please tell us what you want to talk about. Please give your opinion and don't feel like you're going to offend anybody because you should have your opinion heard. I mean, I know, like, As a female surfer, when you don't feel represented, it's it's not great when this is your favorite, your most beloved passion, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So that's part of our goals for next year is to really take that on and and hopefully get a lot of women on board getting into conversation and dialogue with us. That's
0: fabulous. That's so cool, because it's quite difficult to engage actually with an audience and, and actually sort of get them to come back or reply or respond or whatever. So, so do people leave voicemail messages or kind of a format do you use for the podcast?
1: For the podcast, I've come up with two pop formats. And also, this is still in the work, so it'll evolve. But Google Forms, has mm-hmm. been just the easiest to be able to put a question out there and receive responses anonymously. And then there is a software called SpeakPipe, and it's a little voicemail software, right, that someone can just call in and leave you a message. You know, they can leave their name if they want, but they don't have to. Right. So
0: right. Those are
1: the two things I've been using to collect uh, responses and c- create conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. What in surfing makes you feel excluded? What are your conclusions?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. They are definitely there are definitely responses that differ that have differed in that conversation. And in the episode two, we do we talk about kind of these differing responses. But, you know, Brie was brought up a scenario about how she worked in a surf shop and how customers guys like didn't maybe see her as authoritative figure as as she was a woman and wouldn't talk to her or wouldn't choose to talk to her, even if she tried to help them. We got other responses such as, I don't feel excluded in surf culture. Yeah. And I love, there's a great one that one surf lady submitted that just said she doesn't feel excluded, but she did work hard to create that space for herself to not make her feel excluded. And you can see just these differing opinions, these differing life views that are all valid. Mm. I think that are all valid. And there's women that feel like their age makes them feel excluded or their weight or the way they look or one person (laughs) said stab magazine's coverage of women was something that came up a couple times and I've never followed them it's something that me and Brie talk about on the episode too Um, but yeah there's a lot of responses out there and it's great I think we can learn from each other and then I hope that you'll go and join us in the conversation at confessionsofasurflady.com because there you'll get to contribute your confessions for different topics or even let us know what topics you want to talk about. Lovely, fantastic. Well, this has
0: been so interesting and, and what a lovely way to actually engage with your audience and with your clients. It's a really good idea actually to sort of have that podcast to follow up. That's fantastic. I guess we're sort of arriving to the end of this lovely interview and it's been a really, really lovely conversation. I just wondered if you had the time to answer a few questions, which are basically sentences that I ask my guests to finish. Sometimes to come out with some good answers. So the first uh, sentence to finish is, I love.
1: (laughs) 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 I love the opportunity that we have here in this space and this kind of internet and online space to really create something where we can create a dialogue and create success for ourselves with business. Yeah. I, I love that opportunity and that we have that. It really is a gift. So, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I miss. Okay. Well, I miss the waves in Australia. <laughs> 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 <If> you... Yeah. <laughs> because you know, you can come out and surf here and maybe get, 10 seconds standing up on a wave, but if you're out in Australia, you can be, you know, on a wave for minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I miss the waves in Australia. <laughs> I wish. Ooh. I wish that the female surf community will come together and join me on Confessions of a Surf Lady. <laughs> it really helped me tell our authentic story. Lovely. And I want. Ooh. I want to have a successful career and a successful business that allows me to create positive impact on my community and the people around me. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And just a side question, how often,
0: since you started the business, how often do you actually get out surfing?
1: A lot less often. (laughs) Yeah, a lot less often. I would say like on average once or twice a week. And I have to confess, I guess would be the word, that surfing is not my one and only true love. I love my work. I love the business building. So if there is something that I'm excited to do, I will ditch surfing. (laughs) But I also, fortunately enough, uh, right now at the moment, we have a place down in Baja Norte. There are a couple breaks there that are like really uncrowded and great waves. So sometimes I'll go down there, get my weekend fixed. And then I have a week to focus on my business and focus on the things that I want to do. <laughs> Beautiful. That's great. Last question. Do you have any
0: kind of books or podcasts or films or TV series, shows, whatever, that have inspired you and that would inspire our listeners to continue?
1: So not that it's a, well, I think it's a good thing, a good book to consider. Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime has in my mind, and I I did it as an audiobook, has in my mind stuck with me as one of the best books that I've engaged with or listened to or read, quote-unquote, because I did it with an audiobook. And um, even if it's not directly about entrepreneurship, he really talks about coming from very little and becoming who he is. And his storytelling is really, really just engaging and amazing. And he tells his life story in a way that makes you consider I don't know just unfairness against different races and makes you consider what's going on beyond your world and it's just really impactful if I needed to recommend a book any day of the week it would be that one all the time <laughs> okay
0: okay so we'll yeah. repeat the name
1: It's Trevor Noah yeah Trevor Noah's Born a Crime
0: Born a Crime okay we'll yeah. put that in the show notes too and
1: how can we get hold of you and your beautiful products So you can visit us at www.ierasurf.com and that's I-A-E-R-A surf.com. Always got to spell it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or you can follow us on Instagram, same handle, Iara surf, same thing with Facebook. And then confessions of a surf lady would be confessions of a surf lady.com. And then same thing with Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Laura, for being a wonderful
0: guest. And this energy that you have is just so contagious. It's beautiful. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. And so, I just wish you all the best for the next few months and years. And just come back on the podcast if you want to share any new stories or whatever. Definitely.
1: And you'll have to be on our podcast too. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> one love day. to have you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, take care, Laura, and see you soon.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: I love this exchange. I can't believe how savvy Laura is in sales. I certainly learned a lot and I find that her advice of just picking up the phone or talking to her prospective clients is such a wise move. I know as an introvert, I dread being face-to-face with a customer, but at the end of the day, that's what makes businesses tick. I also love the fact that thanks to her extroverted personality, Laura has sought advice from the best in practice and hasn't hesitated to confront her ideas with mentors and customers. And last but not least, I love the way Laura is constantly building a relationship with her customers and wholesalers, and there's definitely some excellent bootstrapping and goal-setting info in this episode. So connect with Laura. You can skip over to her Instagram and online shop, IERASurf.com and at IeraSurf on Instagram. And you'll also be able to listen to her podcast, Confessions of a Surf Lady on Apple Podcasts this week. So check out the links in the show notes to find out more. All the information mentioned in this podcast is available on my website and in the show notes of this episode. Just check them out on your podcast app. On the theeichenriderspodcast.com, you'll also find some great info and photos of my guests please don't hesitate to have a look. Links to it are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share the love. You can tell your friends, family, strangers in the lineup about this podcast. But if you want to do more to support me, you can too. I've created an online merch shop called theoceanridersshop.com and it's got a collection of t-shirts, sweatshirts, greeting cards and wall art for all types of budgets. So be sure to check them out on theoceanridersshop.com links to twitter in the show notes and all the profits will go to paying for my awesome podcast editor whose name is leng and 1% of the sales will be automatically donated to 1% for the planet certified nonprofits in fact this year all my 1% proceeds are going to wires australia a wildlife rescue organization that is doing its best to save as many wild animals as possible in the heartbreaking australian bushfires That said, I wish you all an excellent week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another awesome surfer. And in the meantime, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.